0: The EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis.
1: Welcome to Vatican Insider on a torrid August weekend. It seems to be scorching hot in so many parts of the world. I'll look at the news in a minute, but first want to tell you about the interview segment. This week, I tell the story of one of the favorite shrines of all Romans, the Shrine of Divine Love. I explain how the Shrine to Mary came about in the 1700s, the miracle associated with its birth, and some of the wonderful personal stories told about how a visit to the Shrine changes lives. In 1999, Pope John Paul II added the sanctuary to the seven pilgrim churches of Rome and a new shrine and beautiful park to honor Mary were commissioned. I think you'll be fascinated. And now a look at some of the week's headlines. Not a lot of news has the Pope had a few days with just a number of private individual audiences. It is still August here and that's the month with the greatest exodus of Italians and Roman Curia staff all of them leaving on vacation, so it is very quiet. You should see the number of stores, pharmacies, and even restaurants that are shuttered in my neighborhood and elsewhere. So here's the top stories. Sunday, August 20th. At the Angelus, the Pope first reflected on the day's gospel, after which he recited the Marian prayer with about 10,000 people gathered in St. Peter's Square below his study window. Pope Francis said he's following with concern the situation in the West African nation of Niger. He said he unites his voice with the bishop's appeal for peace in the country and the stability of the Sahel region. The Pope said he also accompanies with his prayers the efforts of the international community to find a peaceful solution there as soon as possible for the good of all the people. Let us pray for the dear people of Niger. The Pope also called for prayers for peace in our world. And let us also pray for peace for all populations wounded by war and violence, especially for Ukraine, which has been suffering for so long. Also Sunday, the Vatican published a note announcing Pope Francis' preface to the Italian edition of Dorothy Day's autobiography entitled, I Found God Through His Poor, From Atheism to Faith, My Inner Journey. Dorothy Day, who lived from 1897 to 1980, Foundress of the Catholic Worker Movement, journalist, writer, pacifist, and activist, is remembered for her commitment to the poor and to social justice. In his preface, Pope Francis recalls how Day arrived at Christian faith from the grace that flows from charity, the beauty that flows from witness, and love that is expressed concretely through service, more than any human efforts or strategies. He recalled how Pope Benedict XVI said that the Church grows through attraction, not by proselytism. And we see this in Dorothy Day's Conversion, Life, and Witness. Monday, August 21st. The Holy Father received a delegation of lawyers from the Council of Europe member countries, which are signatories of the Vienna Declaration. The document, adopted on June 11th, 2022, prompted member states of the council to commit themselves in favor of the rule of law and the independence of the judiciary. In the current problematic European framework affected by the senseless war in the Ukrainian territory, the Pope thanked the attorneys for their important contribution to the promotion of democracy and respect for freedom and human dignity. I appreciate your insistence in one of your proposals that the rule of law should no longer be subject to the slightest exceptions including in times of crisis said the pope for the rule of law stands at the service of the human person and aims to protect the dignity of each which admits of no exception it's a principle Then, speaking off the cuff to the delegation of lawyers, Pope Francis said he was writing a second part of his Laudato Si encyclical to update it to current issues. Also Monday, thanking God for ever greater ecumenism, Pope Francis encouraged Christians to work together, doing so in a telegram to a synod gathering of Waldensians and Methodists taking place this week in northern Italy. Tuesday, August 22nd was a quiet day with a number of individual, private audiences for the Pope. Wednesday, August 23rd, Francis presided at the weekly general audience held in the air-conditioned Paul VI Hall because of the scorching temperatures outside in the square. Continuing his series of catecheses on apostolic zeal, the Pope highlighted the witness given by the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe to Blessed Juan Diego, an event that contributed decisively to the evangelization of the Americas. By appearing to Juan Diego in native attire and speaking his language, said Francis, the blessed Virgin showed herself a mother, the very mother of God, and invited the indigenous peoples to take refuge beneath her mantle. The Pope emphasized how the miracle of the roses that bloomed in midwinter and the appearance of Our Lady's image on the fabric of Juan Diego's cloak speak eloquently of god's preferential love for the poor and mary's maternal cooperation in the extension of the kingdom they also remind us he said of the important role of mothers and grandmothers in spreading the gospel message and as in the case of juan diego of our need as christians for perseverance in the faith of our baptism the holy father also appealed for prayers for the ukrainian people so greatly tried by the ongoing war thursday august 24th another quiet day with private audiences for the pope friday august 25th pope francis received participants in a pilgrimage promoted by the sisters disciples of jesus in the eucharist and he encouraged them to let their love of the eucharistic lord inspire care for the poorest the most despised and the most marginalized members of the body of christ the sisters' disciples are making the pilgrimage for the centenary of their founding in October 1923 by Venerable Bishop Raffaello dell'Enoche and two young women, Linda Machina and Silvia di Somma. Without male or female religious in his diocese, Bishop dell'Enoche, with the approval of the reigning pope, founded an institute, quote, that could help him in his service to the least. Thus were born the sisters' disciples of Jesus in the Eucharist, said Pope Francis, poor servants of a poor people, supportive in sharing their labors, and prophetic in promoting their human and religious redemption. Well, those are the news highlights, but stay here for the great story of Rome's Shrine of Divine Love. And wherever you are, have a great weekend and try to stay cool. Welcome to the Q&A segment. Today's Q&A is all about the Paul, an object you have probably seen many times and perhaps never knew its name. So what is a Paul? And that's P-A-L-L. Philip Kozlowski did a great piece on this for Alatea. If you have ever attended a Christian funeral, especially those celebrated in the Catholic Church, you might have seen a large cloth that covers the casket during the liturgy. This cloth is called the pall, and from it we also get the word pallbearers, designating those people who assist in carrying the casket during the funeral. It's unclear when exactly Christians began to place a large cloth over the casket, but the tradition appears to have begun during the Middle Ages. Originally, the pall had multiple uses, as it would be later used for priestly vestments for the celebration of Mass. These palls were quite elaborate and were various colors according to the situation. Eventually, the pall was entirely black in color to match the priest vestments, symbolizing the grief experienced by the death of a loved one. After the Second Vatican Council, the pall was ordered to be primarily white in color. The order of Christian funerals explains the symbolism. A pall placed over the body when it is received in the church is a reminder of the baptismal garment of the deceased a sign of the christian dignity of the person the use of the paul also signifies that all are equal in the eyes of god so now you know what a paul is and wonder why you didn't think of it earlier when you saw paul bears <music>
0: Claiming the faith changing lives. The year was 2015. EWTN opens its West Coast studio on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Orange, California, enabling EWTN to produce new programming that will bring the people and the stories of the faith that make up the church in Southern California to our global audience. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life and the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. A special item on EWTNRC.com this month is the Mother Angelica Super Mug, which features a picture of Mother Angelica, beloved Foundress of the Eternal Word Television Network, and her prayer for EWTN. This generous 20-ounce black ceramic mug is a great way to remember Mother Angelica's mission. Order today at EWTNRC.com, item number N 8176 or call 1-800-854-6316 have you ever noticed how much attention atheists get do you know why that is because atheists aren't normal it's normal to believe in god but normal things don't get much attention it's abnormal to say there is no god and that makes the headlines gk chesterton says atheism is an abnormality it's not merely the denial of a dogma it's the reversal of a subconscious assumption of the soul, the sense that there's a meaning and a direction in the world and that there's a purpose to things and a meaning to life. And Chesterton says, if there were no God, there would be no atheists
1: spend more time with the apostle of common sense visit chesterton.org for more information and go to ewtnrc.com to discover more books and programs written and inspired by g.k. chesterton
0: welcome back to vatican insider here's joan lewis
1: Welcome to Vatican Insider and a special edition on Rome's beloved Shrine of Our Lady of Divine Love, Nostra Signora di Divina amore. If you ever visit Rome and have an afternoon you'd like to spend in a special way, then this shrine is just for you. It has such a great story. Ask Italians about their nation's shrines and their eyes light up with pride. They'll run off a long list of names from the well-known ones of Loreto, Pompeii, Assisi, Turin, and Padova to the lesser-known shrines ensconced in wayside chapels, forests, and medieval hill towns of several thousand inhabitants. Each shrine has its own story, its own miracle, its own art and place in history, and each Italian has a favorite shrine. But mention the word shrine to Romans, and it's unanimous, Our Lady of Divine Love. When you say this name, a Roman's eyes light up, not only with pride, but with a very special love, and each asks for a moment of your time to tell you why their Madonna is so special. This love becomes understandable the first time you visit La Madonna del Divino Amore, a half hour south of Rome, easily reachable by city or car transportation. Built atop a hill in the Roman countryside, The little church that houses the image of Our Lady of Divine Love is at first a surprise, simply because it's so small. At best, it accommodates only 40 people. However, this relatively small size has created an atmosphere of easy intimacy, a feeling of having come home, and that's how I felt on my first visit. Along with this, or perhaps because of it, there's an openness, a friendliness among staff and visitors that is captivating that induces one into the proper frame of mind to visit such a shrine. The shrine's history dates back to the 13th century and to the Savelli-Orsini family, which built a fortress known as Castel di Leva on a hill in the Roman countryside. On one of the towers, still standing today, there was a votive image of Our Lady, author unknown, holding the child Jesus. Descending on them was the dove, a symbol of the Holy Spirit, symbol of divine love. This image was a favorite of Area shepherds. In 1740, a wayfarer on his way to Rome was passing by the tower when a pack of wild dogs appeared and attacked him. His eyes fell on the image of Mary. He implored her help, and immediately afterwards the dogs dispersed and he was saved. The traveler told his story to all who would listen and devotion to the Madonna grew, so much so that her image was transferred to a nearby estate where there was a small chapel. In 1745, Cardinal Carlo Rezzonico, Bishop of Padova and later Pope Clement XIII, erected a church for this fresco of Our Lady. On March 31, 1750, Cardinal Rezzonico dedicated the church, the one we visit today, and its high altar, to Our Lady of Divine Love. On May 13, 1883, the image was solemnly crowned by the Vatican chapter. The second most well-known story linked to this shrine occurred in 1944, during World War II. The image of Our Lady was in grave danger, as the Germans, who had mistakenly believed that Castel di Levo was a military installation, bombed the site throughout the winter of 1943-44. Miraculously, the Madonna was never harmed. The image was eventually brought to Rome for safekeeping and enshrined in various churches, the last of which was St. Ignatius. But Rome, too, faced increased threats, for the Allies had landed at Anzio. Romans continued to visit the image of Our Lady of Divine Love, asking her for salvation. On June 4th, with Allied troops at the gates of Rome, the populace flocked to Our Lady, imploring her intercession for the liberation of their city and vowing in return to amend their lives, to build a new shrine, and to realize charitable works in Mary's honor. At 7.15 that evening, the German resistance collapsed and Allied troops entered the city. Prayers had indeed been answered. On June 11, 1944, Pope Pius XII prayed before the image with the Roman faithful and conferred on her the title of Savior of the City. She was returned to the original shrine on September twelfth that same year. The Shrine has two feast days, Pentecost and June 4th. Father Umberto Terenzi had been named the first rector of the Shrine in December 1930, and he arrived January 3rd, 1931. A year later, when the Shrine became a parish, he was named its first pastor. On March 25th, 1942, Father Terenzi founded the Sisters of Our Lady of Divine Love, and, 20 years later, the Oblates of Our Lady, to whom he entrusted the care of the sanctuary. Father Terenzi died on January 3, 1974, and he's buried in the crypt below the shrine. In 1991, Cardinal Vicar of Rome, Camillo Rowini, published the edict for his canonization. Also in the crypt is the tomb of the married couple, Blessed Luigi Aloysius and Blessed Maria Corsini Beltrame Quattrocchi, he died in 1951 and she in 1965. After their deaths, a beatification process was started. They were beatified on October 21, 2001 by Pope John Paul II, and this was the first time that a married couple had been beatified together. Their relics were moved here on October 28, 2001. The Feast of Blesseds Luigi and Maria Corsini Beltrami Quattrocchi is celebrated on November 25th, their wedding day. Today, in addition to the church housing the image of Our Lady, there is a seminary for the Oblates, a convent, a chapel for confessions, a kindergarten, an orphanage for girls, and accommodations for pilgrims on retreat. Outside the original tower, there's a replica of the Grotto of Lourdes, conducive to meditation or to saying the rosary. Pope John Paul visited in 1979, again in 1987, and in 1999 to consecrate the new shrine. The new shrine to Our Lady, promised by the Romans in 1944, broke ground only in 1991, and was inaugurated, as we just said, by Pope John Paul on July 4, 1999. Planned to fit in with the Roman countryside, it was built outside the old fortress walls near the original tower and it has a pasture as its roof. The church was included by Pope John Paul in the pilgrimage of seven pilgrim churches of Rome during the Holy Year 2000. John Paul said at that dedication, The church we are in, and which is now consecrated for worship, is a sign of that other church made of living stones, which are the believers in Christ wonderfully united by the spiritual cement of charity. He reminded Romans of the vow they had made in 1944 when they prayed to Our Lady of Divine Love for the safety of their city, promising to build a new shrine, open a charitable center, and change their moral lives. Today, said John Paul, the dedication of this new shrine particularly fulfills the vow that the Roman people, at the request of Pius XII, made to Our Lady of Divine Love in 1944 when the Allied troops were about to launch their final attack on Rome, then occupied by the Germans. Before the image of Our Lady of Divine Love, the Romans prayed on June 4th of that year for the safety of their city, promising Mary that they would change their moral conduct, build the new shrine of divine love, and open a charitable institution in Castel di Leva. That same day, a little more than an hour after the vow had been read, the German army withdrew from Rome without offering any resistance, while the Allies entered through Porta San Giovanni and Porta Maggiore and were welcomed with exultation by the Romans. Today, continued the Pope, the shrine is a reality and the charitable institution is nearly finished, a home for the elderly not far from here. But the Roman people's vow included a promise to Blessed Mary that is unending and much more difficult to fulfill, the change in moral conduct. The constant effort, that is, to renew life and make it conform ever more closely to Christ's. Dear brothers and sisters, this is the task the sacred building dedicated to God today recalls. These walls surrounding the sacred space where we are gathered, and even more, the altar, the great multicolored stained glass windows, and the other religious symbols are meant as signs of God's presence among his people. A presence made real in the Eucharist, celebrated every day, and kept in the tabernacle. A presence that shows itself living and life-giving through the administration of the sacraments, A presence that can be continually experienced in prayer and meditation may this presence be a constant call to conversion and fraternal reconciliation for everyone john paul prayed let us turn our hearts confidently to mary and invoke her motherly protection on everyone to you mother of divine love we entrust the diocesan community the continuation of the city mission that ended a few weeks ago as well as this beloved city of Rome with its problems and resources, its worries and hopes. To you, we entrust families, the sick, the elderly, and the lonely. In your hands, we place the fruits of the Holy Year, and in a special way, the expectations and hopes of young people who will come to Rome during the Jubilee for the 15th World Youth Day. To you, let us entrust the request I made to you earlier during my first visit to the Shrine that through your intercession, the number of workers in the Lord's harvest will be increased, and that young people will appreciate the full beauty of the gift of being called to the priesthood and the religious life, which the world today so greatly needs. Amen. Those are words that are just as beautiful and profound and valuable and meaningful now as they were in 1999. Pope Benedict XVI, on May 1, 2006, visited the Shrine and recited the Rosary. He greeted those present, saying, It's a comfort to be with you today to recite the Holy Rosary at the shrine of Our Lady of Divine Love, where the faithful express the devout affection for the Virgin Mary that is rooted in the soul and history of the Roman people. Special joy springs from the thought of thus renewing the experience of my beloved predecessor, John Paul II, who on the first day of the month of May in 1979 27 years ago made his first visit to this shrine as pontiff in this shrine said benedict we venerate mary most holy with the title our lady of divine love mary i wrote in the encyclical deus caritas Est, is a woman who loves as a believer who in faith thinks with god's thoughts and wills with god's will she cannot fail to be a woman who loves yes dear brothers and sisters Mary is the fruit and sign of the love God has for us, of his tenderness and mercy. Therefore, together with our brothers in the faith of all times and all places, we turn to her in our needs and hopes in the joyful and sorrowful events of life. Pope Francis visited the Shrine on May 1, 2018 to say the rosary, marking the start of the month dedicated to Mary. After reciting the rosary before the medieval icon of the Madonna and Child, the pontiff blessed the tomb of Servant of God, Father Umberto Terenzi, the first rector, as we just saw, of the Divino Amore parish and the founder of two religious orders. He then met with elderly parishioners who were baptized by Father Terenzi, the priest who founded the parish on the site of the sanctuary. Pope Francis also greeted residents of both the Divino Amore retirement home and the family house of Mater Divina Moris that is run by the Congregation of the Sons of Divine Love and provides shelter for children and infants. On March 11, 2020, during the quarantine of Italy as a result of the novel coronavirus pandemic, Pope Francis prayed before the image of Our Lady of Divine Love during a video broadcast, saying in part, We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick, who at the cross took part in Jesus' pain, keeping your faith firm, You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need, and we are sure you will provide that, so that, as in Cana of Galilee, we may return to joy and to feasting after this time of trial. Tens of thousands of visitors over the years have participated in a very special event, the all-night pilgrimage from Rome to Divine Love on foot. These take place every Saturday from Easter through October, as well as on the vigil of December 8th. The walk starts at midnight and takes one to the shrine via the Old Appian Way, the Quo Vadis Church on the spot where our Lord appeared to St. Peter, the catacombs, and the Via Ardiatina. Mass follows the 5.20 a.m. arrival. Whether you visit the shrine, which has often been called Mary's country home, with a group or as a single pilgrim, you will be warmly welcomed as a member of a special family by the sisters and the oblates of Our Lady of Divine Love. They deeply love their shrine and its history and share all it has to offer with great joy and simplicity. If a visitor asks for stories of miracles, the sisters will tell you there's probably a miracle of sorts for every person who visits Divine Love. But their favorite is that of the young man who, running away from the police in Rome after having committed a robbery, jumped on the 702 bus, unaware the end of the line was the shrine. Once at the shrine and having lost the police, he felt secure enough to visit the church where, as he later told the sisters, he watched people in prayer, people of obvious faith, who reminded him of his innocent childhood and moments of family prayer. He returned to Rome surrendered to the police and served time in prison from where he sent the sisters a Bible and a letter of thanks for having had the chance for reconciliation with God. I hope you've enjoyed this mini pilgrimage.
0: For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.